0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's time for a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I hope you are having a good day. I mean, I've been thinking about this, just how much we all deserve to have some good days right now. Just a couple consecutive, really good solid days. And I don't mean days where everything is just over the moon, unbelievably remarkably amazing, just a solid good day, okay? Days where a couple of consecutive days where nothing's going wrong, where there's no disaster, where we don't have to participate in trauma from the collective, where we don't have to have our nervous system shocked, where there's no arguing or fighting or struggle or crazy things happening. Just A couple of consecutive, calm, solid, unremarkably good days. I really wish that for all all of us. I feel like there's so much going on. And yes, there's so much beauty and so many highs, but there's also so much discord. And it's really hard to, to anchor into a place inside of ourselves where we're just solid with so much coming our way all the time. So my wish for all of us right now is just a couple good days, okay? Just like calm, like our regular routine, doing the things we do, going to work, getting the kids to school, making the food, doing the yoga, sitting in silence, but just a regular good day. I am feeling a lot today, in case you didn't notice. I spent two hours sitting at my tea table this morning. I got to have a really soft, gentle Morning today. Dennis was in the U.S. for a week. He was um, doing an Ironman race, and he's back now. So him taking Leo to school means I can really have a slow, soft couple of hours in the morning, which I appreciate so, 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 so much. And um, you know, it's Libra season. Happy Libra season to all my Libras out there. I'm a Libra. It's my birthday on the fifth of October. It's coming up super soon. And I was contemplating this so much this morning, sitting at my tea table, and I didn't realize until today that I have a lot of feelings about this birthday. Normally, I don't. Normally, I'm just so excited. Birthdays are so easy and fun for me. I'm turning 33 this year, and apparently, I have a lot of feelings about that. <laughs> so I have some stuff I need to process. I know that my, my heart is a little bit all over the place, and maybe your heart is too. So how about we take a couple of minutes right now just to hold some space for ourselves, right? Just an opportunity to drop into the body, into the heart space and feel. So if you feel comfortable too, go ahead and close the eyes and find a comfortable seat if you don't already have one and without too many frills or things to do or fix or shift, just drop into the breath right now. Just drop into the breath. You can keep the inhales and the exhales flowing through the nose, either the way they already were. Just notice the breath. Or if right away you want to start deepening the breath, just very gently go ahead and do that. Giving yourself more space to breathe, which also will be helpful to the rest of your body, will be helpful to your nervous system, to the mind, and to the heart. So you can let your next couple of breaths just expand to a slightly deeper level within the body. Let the breath take up a little more space inside and see if you can find a rhythm and a cadence of the breath that feels like it's balanced. So inhaling as deeply as you're exhaling. And exhaling as deeply as you're inhaling, trying to find that balance between the holding on and the letting go, the inviting in and the releasing, the breath in and the breath out. And as you continue breathing this way, let's do a little check-in for the heart. And sometimes just bringing our awareness to the heart makes us want to place one or both hands to our heart center. You can just let the palm of one or two hands rest on top of the chest. How is your heart today? I mean, how is your heart today really? Give yourself some space here. Take a moment here. You're not in any rush. There's no perfect right answer, nothing you need to figure out. But Just give your heart a little bit of space to soften enough that you can feel. And if you're listening to this first thing in the morning, I don't know if this is true for you, but oftentimes in the morning, I need a little bit of extra time to drop in and feel this connection to my heart. It takes time, yeah, some patience, some breaths, a little bit of an exploration to navigate feeling safe in my body so I can really check in. Or maybe for you, you're feeling a lot right now and your heart just feels open and ready and you can connect right away. Whatever is true for you in this moment, just notice. No, it's the natural rhythm of the heart to open and close and open and close and open again. We don't live with our hearts perpetually and forever closed. And we don't live with our hearts perpetually and forever open either. Sometimes we naturally want to protect the heart and we close a little bit Maybe we shut down a little bit, we disconnect a little bit, we focus on other things. And then there are moments and cycles in our lives where we naturally open the heart and we feel safe to be vulnerable and we feel and we process and just know that it's completely natural to move from the opening to the closing again. And that actually to be able to open, we also have to close. And there's nothing wrong with sometimes shutting down or feeling numb or feeling closed. And if that's the case for you in this moment, just notice that. Without judgment, no right or wrong, no good or bad, just notice, oh, it's hard for me to connect with my heart and this moment. I feel like it's far away. I feel a little numb. That's true for me often in the morning. And maybe for you right now, you're feeling so much. Maybe it's like your heart feels almost too open. Like your heart feels raw, too vulnerable. Or you feel so much in this moment. It's like it's just overflowing already. Maybe there's pain here today. Maybe sadness is present in your heart today. There could be grief. There could be a longing for something. There could be fear. Just notice what's here. And whatever you encounter, take a deeper breath. Whatever you encounter, take a deeper breath. and give yourself just a few moments right now of allowing your heart to be the way the heart is. Just to let yourself have this experience, to feel this feeling to the extent that it's okay. Right? We don't have to overwhelm ourselves or disappear into a hole of sorrow, but to the extent that it feels okay, Feel the feeling that's here. And if that means you want to cry or tears come, let them. If it makes you angry and you can sense your body tensing up, let that happen. If you feel joy and happiness and you start smiling, then let that smile be expressed. Whatever comes, let it unfold. And take a few deeper breaths, staying with your body and staying with your heart. Hmm. Now you can linger in this space if you like. We're going to Take a moment just to shift our awareness from the heart a little bit deeper into the body, the lower ends of the body, the belly and the legs. And sensing for a moment, if you have a need, just to redirect or to shift this awareness a little bit. If we're having a day when the heart feels too open, it's good to bring some awareness down into the legs. Just to feel our presence there, that we don't have to linger in that open, open heart space, but just to shift awareness into the thighs, into the knees, into the calves, and down into the soles of the feet. So you can wiggle your feet a little bit, or plant the feet firmly on the ground, or even stomp your feet a little bit on the earth, just to shift energy down to earth. So it's important to ground when the heart feels open. And if what you're feeling in your heart right now feels comfortable and safe and beautiful, just linger the way you are. We're gonna take one more cleansing breath, so a full inhale in through the nose. Open mouth, exhale. You can blink your eyes open if you like. Hmm. Hey. (laughs) I love the first few moments after our our short meditations that we often do on this show because it's a different kind of meeting. You know, it's a different kind of connection. It's a different kind of, hey, (laughs) my heart meeting yours. I have goosebumps now, actually, up and down my arms. I just feel very present. I feel very grounded in my body. I also feel this tremendous love for you right now. (laughs) That might be a strange thing to say, especially if we've never met, but I, I genuinely do. Just having this space to share a moment like this, I feel tremendous, tremendous love for you. The fact that you're taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast, to do this meditation practice with me, to be here present with me. I mean, that's so special to me. I could cry. I'm a little weepy about it, actually. It is so, so, so special to me. So Just feel my love for a moment, my heart to yours. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years, and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. I don't know, oh, today is the first day of my bleed as well as the first day of my cycle. So I am feeling very in tune, very in touch. And I've been contemplating this, just our cycles as women, our cycles, all of us who have periods I don't love the word period. I don't know why. I feel some sort of aversion to that. Um, I would like to connect to a more intimate, more beautiful sounding word period. To me feels so cold and rigid, like it's a period of our month, you know, versus it being this beautiful exploration and a shedding of our, of our womb space, right? There's something, there's an opportunity for something very beautiful happening when, when we are in this phase of our moon cycle when we bleed, and um, I feel like I'm in the beginning stages, actually, of that journey deeper into womanhood for me, just exploring that more, exploring my womb space, and today, at my sitting at my tea table, I was just feeling so much where before, you know, earlier years, I think I've been really conditioned to to hold on to the idea that being on your period is terrible and hard and makes you moody and -and so-and-so and it's a bit taboo and we don't really know how to talk about it and, you know, that it's supposed to be something that has to be very challenging. And I know for so many people it is, and I don't want to take that away at all. Of course, it can be a massive, massive challenge and difficult and painful and all of that, but there is also space for something more, right? It's not just that. It can be really precious and really beautiful. And I find that when I'm on my period, the more time I spend feeling into my womb space, just being really present. Actually, there's all these mechanisms working beautifully in my body right now. And they represent and hold a lot of really particular energies. And when I get present with that, and when I take time to move slowly in my day, and I And I don't just, you know, because I've been fairly disconnected from my period for most of my life. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I had a period expert on the show before, but my cycle, my period has been very easy for me all of my life, almost too easy if there is such a thing in terms of my period just being very, very short. I don't bleed a lot. I can literally start my period and forget that I'm on my period And I always used to think, because I had so many friends who struggled so much and would bleed for a long time, and it would be so incredibly painful, and they would always say, oh, you know, you're so lucky. You have this really short period, and it doesn't hurt, and it doesn't bother you, and all of these things. I always thought it's a great thing. The shorter your period, the less you bleed, the better, right? But I learned that that's actually not true. You know, there is a balance that we want and bleeding too little or for too short of a time can mean some different things are happening in your body around your hormones that aren't actually great. So since learning more about that, I've just started becoming more present with my period versus before actually being able to forget that I was even on it. You know, I would just kind of breeze past it or disconnect from it, I guess. And this morning, I think I spent maybe 45 minutes just holding my hands to my belly, (laughs) like crying a bit and smiling a bit and just feeling very soft and very connected to my body. And I say that, I don't say that lightly, actually, because connecting to my body doesn't come that easily for me. And I don't know what's true for you, but for me, really arriving at a heartfelt presence, I mean, present, really when I have that felt sense experience of presence in my body when I'm really there, it doesn't just happen, you know, through the, at the drop of a hat. (laughs) It's something that actually requires a lot of practice for me. And I've realized that, that Throughout my life, my one of my biggest mechanisms for coping with trauma has been to disassociate and to disconnect from my body, almost like shutting down my own experience completely to not have to feel the magnitude of the pain, which is something that our bodies do for us in these amazing, beautifully intelligent ways that When we are experiencing a trauma, meaning something is coming our way that's too much, too fast, too soon, it's too big for us to process. And most hard things when we are little um, can easily, many hard things can easily veer into the area of being traumatic just because our nervous systems are so young and immature and we don't have the coping mechanisms to self-regulate yet. So something that maybe even on the surface as adults, doesn't even look like it could be traumatic, can be a really traumatizing experience for a child. You know, a child can get totally shocked and feel, you know, have a traumatic experience from something as like a really loud, unexpected noise if we're in a moment when we don't feel safe, when we don't feel held. And I think about this so much because I have a four-year-old daughter and I am constantly in co-regulation with her. Right. No. And I know that when she is dysregulated or she is, it doesn't happen that often, but if she's in what we would call a tantrum or completely losing it, you know, it just means she's dysregulated. You know, she's having a hard time to, to regulate herself and she can't make sense of her experience or the emotions. And this can be triggered by like not wanting to put on your PJs at night. You know, if you have a four-year-old, if you have a kid, you know how this stuff works. Doesn't always make sense to us as adults, And what I've learned in these hard moments, for her, they usually come when there's some sort of sudden change. Like we had a really hard one when Dennis was away last week. So something like that, like Dennis being away is a big shift and change for her. And without being able to express it, probably she feels unsettled. She doesn't fully understand why is dad not here. Um, Stuff going on. She could also just be overwhelmed and tired from a long day. Sometimes I feel like she just needs almost like her little being creates a scenario where she gets to have a complete meltdown because her system needed it. It's like her system needed the discharge of things having built up, you know, and then knowing that I am there to keep her safe and help her regulate is such an important thing. So what I've learned throughout all of this is that the first thing I have to do, the main thing to be helpful for her is that I have to self-regulate first, right? I cannot help her regulate. I cannot help her ground. I cannot help make this meltdown dissipate and return to a grounded place if I am feeling like I'm losing it, if I am not in my own body first. And this has been such good practice for me because realizing that, okay, she's you know, I don't love the word tantrum, but I'm going to use it just because you you will all know what I mean when she's in one of those tantrum energies and I can immediately sense like I am losing it here. This is crazy. You know, she's acting crazy. She's, (laughs) she's yelling at me or screaming at me. Sometimes she kicks me or wants to hit me and it's just coming out of the blue. I can't make sense of it you know, it's just like we put our freaking PJs on every single night. Why today is this such a massive issue and how is it spiraling like this? And then what I realized in those moments is that I get pulled out of my own body into this frantic state of, of what the fuck is going on, right? Of like trying to approach things from the mind, from my adult mind. Can't you just put your damn PJs on? Like, why is this not working? This makes no sense. And I start to spin a little bit because I'm frustrated, right? Because it's really hard to have those moments with our kids. And then the thing that helps that, I mean, the most important thing that I can do to help her in that moment is to self-regulate myself, right? For me to ground into my body. So even if I would try to to hug her or help soothe her with touch or give her some guiding words or let's breathe or even like try to distract from the thing that's like I'm trying any of these techniques that we use as parents to help our kids through a hard time. If I am not grounded in my body, everything I do is going to be a mute, like a moot point. It's not going to work. Whatever I try, however carefully I craft my strategy to help her through that meltdown, is not going to work if I am not first regulated myself, if I'm not first grounded myself. So what I'm trying to do, and it doesn't always come as this thing that I realize right away, right? I mean, I've definitely, like last week, we had one of these nights that were just, I mean, it feels like it's lasting for hours. It's probably 15 minutes or something, which is a long time to have a meltdown with a, with a four-year-old. But realizing that, wait, I am not in my body right now. And how often I have that as a go-to, how quickly when something challenging happens, I kind of check out. And it took a lot of practice, a lot of work for me to even realize that actually when things get overwhelming for me, that actually when things get really hard, I leave myself. Like I do that, right? And I do this so easily, so quickly, so often that it's almost like my my learned state is to not be in my body because that's the amount of just fear and trauma and crazy things that happened when I was little that it became kind of normal for me to not be in my body. My body didn't feel like a safe space and no one taught me how to self-regulate. No one, no one taught me how to get back into my body when I have checked out. I wasn't even aware that that was something I was doing. So recognizing this now as a mother is literally giving me the tools and the awareness to do this for myself. It's kind of like through mothering her through really hard times, I mother myself through the hard times that I went through when I was little. And by, by applying those tools now, it feels like I'm, I'm healing something inside of me now that echoes back to then. Then Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. So the first thing I do when we get into those challenging things is I take a moment to feel into my own body, just like we did just now. And that might mean a few really deep breaths. It might mean placing my hands to my heart, to my belly, maybe wrapping my arms around myself just a moment to place my feet on the ground and bring my awareness inward and get here. <laughs> Arrive here. And it's not like I'm taking 50 minutes to go into some like chanting meditation in the middle of a meltdown. Like this happens very quickly. It's a quick shift of realizing, oh, wait, I'm not here. I'm freaking out. I'm stressed. I'm losing it. Okay. 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 Like return, 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 return. Take that breath. Feel my heart. Arrive. And from that place, when I'm actually present in my body, then I can apply those techniques or tools that I want to use to help regulate her, right? And this has been such an eye-opening thing for me because I feel like as adults, so many of us, we're just kind of walking around dysregulated all day. I mean, so many of us are. No one gave us these tools when we were little. No one really taught us, like, here's... Here's how to make it through a really hard moment. Here's how to even recognize that you aren't present anymore. You know, here's how to catch yourself before you spiral into an anxiety hole that's really hard to get out of. Like there are things we can do to recognize and shift these points in our day, but no one taught us that. And I can think of a single more important thing to learn as a child than how to regulate our own emotions how to arrive at a place of presence in our bodies, how to really be here. And it's it's the last thing we're ever taught, you know, or has been in our, our generation and past generations. It just wasn't there. And it, it blows my mind a little bit that we're all just kind of, I mean, if you really think about it and you look at the state of the world right now, We are all just traumatized children walking around as adults, trying to adult our way through a really hard thing in life. I mean, we are. And when we rub up against hard moments, I was going to say when we rub up against hard things. (laughs) If my husband heard this, he, he would so enjoy it. When we come up against hard moments in our lives, If we haven't learned these tools of how to drop in and be in the body, meaning we react from this present moment, if we're not there, then every hard, challenging thing that comes our way is going to trigger that past trauma from when we were kids. And we're going to be constantly reacting to new situations that feel like old, but we're going to react to them from the old wound, from the old place, from that place that just is so overwhelming, that place that we haven't made sense of yet, a place where we just feel unsafe and we go into the safety mechanisms that we've tried to apply to keep ourselves safe, which could mean shutting down, could mean drama, could mean anger, could mean shutting people out, could mean not committing to anything, could mean leaving people before they leave us. Um, It could mean starting fights over things that don't actually matter. It could mean, you know, there are so many things that we do that once helped us stay safe, right? Operating from that old place of that old wounding. But then today as adults, it's not working anymore, right? Because it's a new scenario, it's a new life. And that wound that feels so urgent and present, it's actually old. And we have to deal with it from that old place but in the present moment, if that makes sense. So a really beautiful example of this is one of my biggest childhood wounds, like one of the really big doozies that I have had to work through my entire life is this feeling. It used to be a knowing. It used to be something that I That I really experienced as a knowing, like I knew this was true. I would expect this to happen all the time, but now it's not a knowing anymore. It's just a feeling, but this knowing that I had since growing up that at the end of it all, everyone is going to leave me this, this big, big, big fear of abandonment that I've had my entire life. And I have this for a variety of reasons. I don't feel any blame or anger or anything attached to the unfortunate out-of-control moments that brought me this wounding, right? Which include my mother trying to kill herself several times. It includes my parents separating in a really violent way. It includes a lot of death in my family unexpectedly. Um, It includes the death of my stepfather that no one really explained to me that I thought was my fault. This feeling that at the end of the day, because I had those experiences where I felt that the most important people in my life, they all left me for different reasons, right? Like my dad left me separating from my mom. My mom left me trying to die. My stepdad left me actually dying. You know, these hugely important people in my life when I was very little and very fragile and very sensitive, not able to make sense of them in one way or another, they all left, they all abandoned me, right? So I grew up with this, not, not, not a feeling. Then it wasn't a feeling. It was a knowing that at the end of it all, everyone's going to leave, right? I can't trust that the people I need are going to stay here and be here for me and take care of me. I can't trust that I can actually lean back and be held and supported and safe with anyone because at the end of it all, they're all going to leave, whether they're going to die or kill themselves or just leave because they don't want to be with me. That was my full experience of, of life growing up. And because I wasn't able to make sense of this, right, and even as an adult now, like looking at those individual things that happened, like, I don't think anyone could have acted different in any way. And how do I think that? Or why do I know that? Well, because it's what happened. I think everyone present in my life at that time did the best they could with what they had, right? And this was the outcome. You know, if my if my mom would have had more tools, if she would have had more support, like things could have been so different, but she didn't, right? No one could have prevented my stepfather dying, like my parents separating, they were so young, they didn't have any tools. This is just what was, right? And this feeling, um, even as an adult, when I started making sense of things and I could kind of understand like my mom doesn't not love me. You know, she didn't try to commit suicide because she didn't love me. That happened because she didn't have another way out. That happened because of mental illness. That happened because of trauma. It's literally just trauma and this horrible, horrible, horrible thing out of everyone's control. And I could understand that with a more mature mind, but that wound from being little feeling like at any moment my mom could just die, like any moment everyone's going to leave, it was still there, right? I wasn't able to address and find any kind of safety there at all, even though I could make sense of stuff. Even when my dad was back in my life and, you know, things on the outside, like my mom was feeling good again, like things were good then, but I was still operating from this super serious wound of abandonment. So what happened to me as I grew older and especially into my teens is I started creating scenarios in all of my relationships, all of them, all of my friendship relationships, all the relationships that I had, where I would get to a certain point of intimacy with a person, where I would have a friend that was like friendly, and then we would become really good friends or best friends. And at that moment, I would orchestrate a scenario where that relationship ended, meaning I would find a reason as to all of a sudden why they weren't trustworthy. I would create a really dramatic scenario where I could blame them for something terrible that they did, and then I I didn't want to be friends with them anymore. Or I would cut them out of my life in different ways and just lose that friendship altogether. And at the time, in each scenario, especially as a teenager, this happened to me so often. There was always a big reason that I could point to, you know? Like, they did that. They, why would they do that? I can't be friends with them anymore. Or, like, I would start acting in ways that that friendship didn't make sense for them anymore, right? And they would end up not wanting to be friends with me because I was acting in really intense, crazy ways that I didn't see, right? Right? So basically what I was doing and kept doing all throughout my teens and into adulthood is I would make sure I cut myself loose from every intimate relationship before the other person had a chance to abandon me, right? It became a self-fulfilling prophecy where I was operating from a place of knowing that at the end of the day, everyone is going to leave me. Everyone I love, everyone that feels important to me, every person I need is eventually going to abandon me. So I might as well be the first one to leave. I might as well create the scenario now so that I play a part in it and I don't become surprised and completely heartbroken by it later. I mean, and I can say this now kind of smiling because I can see teenage Rachel, I mean, it's also so sad, but I can see teenage Rachel having so many beautiful friendships and being so quick to shut them down and to leave. Having such a hard time with female friendships. Oh my goodness. I mean, I can't count on two hands the amount of best girlfriends I had in my teens. Like even like from being like 10, 9 years old all the way up to, to 20. The amount of amazing, precious like potentials I had for real sisterhood, for real female friendship that I self-sabotaged. Every single one of them in different ways. And of course, I was really good at attracting people who reminded me of those family dynamics that I had when I was little. So they usually were really challenging relationships too. But all of those friends I lost because I made it happen right? But I didn't understand it then. I thought everything was so unfair and I keep ending up in the same pattern. And I feel like women aren't trustworthy and it's hard to make friends. And at the end of it all, I was like, well, I'm just not supposed to be a person that has deep friendship, right? I'm better off on my own, which of course wasn't true at all, right? Deep down underneath all of this was a little girl terrified to be left alone like a little girl, basically fighting for survival, you know, feeling so unsafe in her world, so unsafe in her own body, and so alone, desperately needing support, desperately needing this friendship, needing this sisterhood, needing this community more than anything else. I was just never, ever, ever able to actually invite that into my life because I was operating from this place of the wounding. And... I can talk about this. I mean, this is all heavy stuff, right? This is all a big, big, painful thing. And I can talk about it fairly casually now because I'm not living from that wound anymore. Right. I have moments, of course, when it's triggered, of course, because that's how trauma works. It's not going to be this thing where we close a door and it's gone forever. You know, especially wounds that happen or trauma that happens before we're seven in these formative first seven years of our lives, but even though it's still present, the fact that I am aware that this is how I operate, that this is what happened to me, these were my coping mechanisms, and here is how I continue to check out just to survive these things. When I'm aware of them, I can change them. That's the beauty of all of this, is really to heal trauma. What it takes is a feeling of being safe enough that we can be present with the wound. And we want to do this in little pieces at a time. You know, we don't go from zero to tearing off this massive band-aid and going digging into super traumatic, horrible past things. But just by becoming aware and inviting presence into the body in triggering moments, that is healing. And an example of this and how it plays out in my life today, I can give, I mean, I can give examples of this every day, how this comes up in small, 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 minor ways. A great example is this. A friend of mine called me the other day. Hey, do you want to go to yoga? We're going to go to yoga. I want to go to yoga tomorrow. Do you want to come to yoga with me? And I'm like, yes, of course. I'm going to be there. Let's go. And then right before yoga class, she goes, oh, I can't go anymore. I have this thing. And, and I go, oh, okay. Okay. You can't, you can't go anymore. Okay. Okay okay, okay. And I can sense like something happens in my body the moment she cancels that plan. And objectively, this is the simplest, most mundane, doesn't relate to anything deep or personal thing. She just couldn't make it to yoga, right? No big deal. But immediately there's a part inside of me that goes, oh yeah, she probably didn't want to go to yoga with you anyway. Probably she has a friend that's more important to her and she's going to go to yoga with them instead. Probably she doesn't even really want to be your friend, you know, and she was just pretending. She was just saying she wanted to go to yoga with you because she wants to be polite. Like this narrative from that little four or five-year-old Rachel, it starts automatically in every moment when a friend of mine or a person cancels a plan, when they can't make it, when they say they're going to text, but don't. Every little moment of separation for me, especially with female relationships, triggers this abandonment wound. And my thought process goes into, oh my God, well, they're going to leave me anyway. They don't even like me anyway. They don't even want to be, you know, this whole loop. And it's fun. It's almost, you know, I can just laugh about it because it is so silly, but it's also so important, right? Right. Because if I follow that train of thought that, oh, she's canceling because she doesn't want to be with me versus she's just canceling because she can't make it. If I follow that train of thought, I will eventually start acting in ways that are kind of weird that will eventually affirm that fear, meaning maybe I start shutting her out next time I want to go to yoga, I actually don't invite her because yeah, she canceled on me last time. Um, maybe next time I want to go out with friends. I just like, I, I don't invite her to the group or I don't call her the next time I think of her, or I start acting in ways based off of that fear from that old trauma from long ago. And if I act that way, the chances are really high that in the end I will lose her right? She will leave me. She will choose to go to yoga with someone else because I'm acting super strange, right? I'm shutting her out unless she's really, really, really present with her stuff, right? And at the end of the day, I might lose that relationship and affirm that original belief that everyone leaves me. <laughs> I mean, when this starts to click in our own lives, it's just light bulbs everywhere, right? So what do you do or what do I do? Well, I don't let that train of thought take me down that path. Path to crazy town, right? But I also don't ignore it and shut down and pretend like that doesn't matter to me. That's old. I'm an adult. I am so evolved. I'm so spiritual. No, I recognize that, oh, wait, here's that fear now. Oh, here's that thought about that. And I give myself a moment to be in my body when that moment comes right? So instead of going into the mind stuff or going into the logistical stuff, like why can't you make it? What's going, you know, I don't entertain all the fluffy mind stuff that comes from that fear, right? But I just drop right into my body. Just how we did at the beginning of this podcast episode, just breathing and arriving into a felt sense experience of being in my body. And to do that, yeah, I can't be on my phone scrolling, I can't be doing a bunch of other stuff. I need a moment to arrive to myself. And this can happen in a split second, right? I can have those bad thoughts about something and in a split second I can return. All of this can be like 20 second, whole big process, right? It happens so quickly inside. And I arrive back to my body and I just give myself a moment to really be here. To feel that fear, if it's triggered or whatever is coming up, to acknowledge that, okay, I had that thought, and then to just come back home to myself. To not try to tell myself everything's fine, everything's fine, you're being crazy, this is a crazy thought. I actually allow myself the experience of having that wound triggered because that's what that is. All of those moments are triggers for that wound. And there's going to be moments where those wounds are triggered in major ways. And it's even true, right? Like there's going to be moments in my life where actually I am not invited to something, right? Where actually a friend maybe cancels because they don't want to hang out with me. And I'm going to have harder moments where maybe someone does abandon me for real when someone dies, when something really serious happens, right? And basically by practicing arriving to my body and being here in the little moments and those little trains of thought and those little fears triggered by all the little mundane stuff, by letting myself be there with that, I am practicing for the big moments when they come and that wound is triggered from a place of actual truth, right? Because I'm learning how to not check out. I'm learning how to not leave myself every time something scratches at the surface of the scab of that old trauma wounding. And it's really genuinely a beautiful process. I mean, I, it's, it's once we bring awareness into our own triggers, everything that rubs up against hard stuff in our lives today that actually isn't about today right? Because of course, there's going to be that too. You're going to meet assholes in your day that are just assholes, right? And it doesn't like relate to old stuff. That's of course also going to happen. But I bet you that the majority of the hard relational things happening in your life that feel similar, right? Because we all have these themes. Maybe for you, it's not abandonment, it's something else. But they become themes and they become patterns. And if we're not present with them, we're going to feel like, I just can't hold on a friendship, I just can't stick with a partner. I just can't. It's almost like life is just happening to us and it's out of control and things happen again and again and again, and we don't get it. Why? When actually maybe we are playing a really important role in how that relationship plays out, but we're just not aware yet. So the first step to this massive, massive, massive healing is to invite your awareness in those moments. And the easiest way to remember and to catch ourselves in those moments to be in the body is to practice being in the body all throughout the day. That those self-care practices that you have, if it's meditation or yoga or drinking tea or just anything that helps you regulate in the day, that you never, ever, ever compromise on that practice. That all the moments that you have as they come your way in calm, regular day-to-day moments, that you practice returning to the body, that you practice noticing when you leave and arriving to yourself first before you tend to the other people in your life. That's the practice, right? So it's the next time your child throws a major tantrum to notice what happens to you. Where did you just go? How did you just check out? And can you practice making your way back home to yourself before you try to help regulate your kid? Like, and the beautiful thing about parenthood and about life, all of life, is that the universe will provide us with these moments to practice all the fucking time, right? We don't have to look for them. And I can really hold that now with this big feeling of gratitude that, Thanks to challenging moments with my daughter, I get to revisit these challenging things that happened when I was little and I get to mother myself through them now. Every moment like that is an opportunity for me to arrive back to myself and then noticing that when I'm in my own body, everything changes for her, right? I can actually reach her. I can actually help ground her. I can actually arrive at that place with her where she can be in her own body too. And this, my darlings, is generational healing. And we can practice that right now. Chances are you are practicing this right now. And I just got goosebumps again. So (laughs) there's truth. In these words, there's truth in this journey. Let's take a real deep breath into that place. Inhale. Open mouth. Exhale. I would like to end this podcast with a little practice or a little ask. Give yourself 15 minutes maybe you have space to do it right now then do it right now as this is fresh in your heart and in your mind to journal on that big wound for you and probably or maybe it's not about abandonment it's about something else but what is that big challenging thing that happened when you were little that plays out in your life today And journal about this. What is your experience of this? What are your triggers today? What are the parts about relationships that feel like patterns that keep happening again and again? Write about this. Sit with this for yourself and see if you can really arrive at a place of more presence and clarity for you. Because this, and I promise you, is life-changing. And you deserve a good life, right? A life filled with good days. And the more we do this healing work, the more good days we are going to have. I love you. I really do. I love you. 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 Thank you. And I'll see you next week. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And of course, a big thank you to my sponsors. Make sure you support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your shows. I'll see you next week.